0: Welcome to the U.S. Fire Journal Podcast. We offer views and opinions on the fire service around the world with no topic too tough to handle. Visit us at usfirejournal.com for all your fire service information. Now, here's your host, Jay. Good morning, welcome into the podcast. Today is April the 29th, as the man said, I'm Jay. And uh, today, lots to catch up on, including Friday questions and answers, although I'm gonna limit the number of uh, questions and answers because uh, so many people submitted that. uh, Actually, I lost them, which sucks. Um, I accidentally deleted them. And uh, so please resubmit for next Friday. I want to start off today talking about Timothy Klein, FDNY, uh, Brooklyn, Canarsie, Ladder 170. Uh, his funeral uh, is today. He died in the line of duty, operating at a fire. And uh, back in 2019, his fellow firefighter in Ladder Company 170 uh, died when he uh, uh, went off a highway bridge while rushing to rescue two men who were trapped. Um, It's a a tough day in the FDNY, um, and my best wishes go out to Canarsie's Bravest, uh, Brooklyn's Bravest, and the entire FDNY family and friends. Timothy Klein, age 31, uh, died in a house fire, and uh, our condolences go out to him. One of the questions that that was sent in to me, and I'm going to start off with this one because I thought it was really good, is... Um, talk to it says uh, would you please talk about attic fires and and uh, why they may be more difficult and, and dangerous uh, than room uh, than fighting a fire in a regular room I said sure why not um, look let, let's look at the uh, let's look at what an attic is it's a large open space and uh, typically there's a lot of storage up there you may run across the house where there is none but you still have this this large open space that is difficult to access and so when a fire takes hold in the attic, you're operating on borrowed time. Um, when you're in a room, let's say you're on a second floor room and you're knocking a fire down, typically um, you knock it down fairly rapidly and water damage is limited to the room of origin. There, there's, there's some drips here and there, but when you're fighting a fire in an attic, the water... It's going to run down the walls, it's, it's going to, you know, ceilings, you're going to have to pull ceilings most likely to get to it, or, or it's going to run down the access hatch or, or uh, uh, you know, down the ladder that you use to, to get up into the attic. Attics are just different. Um, they are, for many people, terrifying. For many firefighters, like, you know, I don't want to go in an attic. It's like, yeah, a lot of people don't want to go in an attic, but you got to go because that's how you put the fire out. It reminds me of a video a few years ago uh, that was sent to me uh, by a uh, a metropolitan firefighter near where I live, and it was showing a fire department fighting a house fire. Um, I believe it was an office at the time, but it was a house. And they couldn't put it out. Uh, It was up in the attic, and they just couldn't put it out. The reason they couldn't put it out, trying to go from topside in. And uh, really bad decision. Uh, really bad decision, actually. Much easier to pull a ceiling. It is. than to, uh, And it's much better for the house and, and everything in it. If you pull a ceiling and gain access to the attic and start putting the fire out that way. As opposed to trying to go through it through the roof. You can tell people who have no operational or very little operational experience and they don't care about tactics. Now, they'll write a great report after the fire's done, because they'll have to, because it's a it's a loss. And uh, But they don't know what they're doing. And you can tell at every fire. You can. People don't know what they're doing. In this case, when you get an attic fire, it doesn't mean you write off the house. Too many departments. I shouldn't say too many. I've seen departments, just that's it. We can't go in. It's too dangerous. We'll get back on the truck, go back to the station, and send in some firefighters who can and will. Bottom line is, an attic fire... It can be terrifying if you don't know what you're doing. But typically, even though it is a place that you're not going to, you know, smoke venting, unless you open the roof or you get to the little uh, little scuttle holes or the, those little tiny windows, I call them the uh, Amityville Horror, horror windows um, after the movie from the, from the '70s in the book, Amityville Horror. Uh, those little windows and and yeah you got to get to them if you if you can um, it's it's not easy but then good firefighting is never easy it can be easier than people who don't know what they're doing because you know where to place a line because you know when to vent all those sorts of things so so why is an, an attic fired differently well it's going to contain a lot of combustibles if there's storage up there um and Depending on the fire department's strength, strengths and weaknesses, you could lose a house easy. Um, I've I've been in a number of attic fires, and um, frankly, I'm no more concerned about being in an attic than I am in any other room. Principally because I never, uh, I've, I've never taken the tact of of underestimating any room on fire. You know, I think you have to respect it. And at some point, you have to uh, just go do the job. So, that's my thought on attic fires. And uh, yours may vary, and that's fine. That's what makes the world go round. Second question today, and this is an interesting one. (laughs) Um, You talk a lot about ladder trucks, and I'm wondering, if money was no object, is there a particular company or style of ladder that you would choose sure sure absolutely Um, you know back when I was very young in the 70s and 80s um, straight sticks obviously they were all over the place Uh, but you know I fell in love with the aeroscope and I've always I've always loved the aeroscope I like the versatility I think, depending upon where you come of age, whether you have tight streets or wide streets or or uh, boulevards or alleys, um, rural, suburban, urban that that uh, informs your your uh, your decision making going forward. and I love an aeroscope absolutely. Uh, Mac baker aeroscopes the the max, the Uh, Seagraves, anything with an aeroscope, I tend to like it because I like the versatility. I also like Pierce's mid-mount for the same reasons. Versatility, being able to get in and out of tight places. um, And then, you know, for your really high-wire jobs, nothing beats a straight stick. And it doesn't. It's an awesome, awesome tool. But if I had to pick one, um, I would go with a mid-mount uh Every time, just because I like them um, i don't like uh platforms I, I just not a big fan. I don't like ones that hang off the front. I think that they are they have a tremendous weakness uh first of which is they 're in the driver 's eye. Some people like it i don't i i've driven them i don't like them um, i don't think they're near as versatile. As a mid mount, and I like a straight stick much better than than uh, you know uh, a rear mount uh, platform. I just don't like them, and uh, doesn't mean I wouldn't use them. Doesn't mean I can't use them, but you asked. What's my favorite? Mid mount, fully loaded, no pump, uh, because we're gonna fill it up with equipment that we do need. Nothing against Quince, but you asked, so I'm telling you. Uh, wouldn't have a tank, wouldn't have a pump obviously. It would have that extra compartment space and we would go back to, well not go back, a lot of departments are doing it and have been doing it never gotten away from it. You put the equipment on there that you need and you try to be good at something as opposed to being average at two, three, four things. Um, and that's typically how how things line up. Question number three. How do you see hiring going in the future? Do you think it's going to slow down or speed up based on the next five years? Uh, thanks for for taking my question. Uh, well, I don't I mean if you're talking about the economy, it's gonna depend where you're at. Um, I think we're already seeing a slowdown in hiring and and talking to people who are attached to the fire service but who are Knee deep in the economy, they work in this every day, and, and some of them are volunteer firefighters, and I try to keep in touch with them. Yeah, you're going to have a slowdown. That's what's going to happen. Um, the market corrects itself. That's the way it works. Will you have uh, people who you know? Will you have layoffs? Well, I think it depends. If if a department gets way too ahead of itself, there's always a possibility of layoffs. And I love when people say that's not possible. We've got no. Nah. Friends, let me tell you, there's no fire department, none, in the country that is immune that is immune from layoffs. It's happened to the biggest. It's happened to the smallest. As long as the department is not outpacing, um, you know, the economy, it should be fine. But any natural disaster that happens, any stopping of of uh, funding, to be honest with you, and there are people out there that are going around talking about this now. Any lawsuit or anything like that, it can kill your funding. That can result in people being laid off. So is this something you should sit and worry about? No, no, I don't think so. I mean, I mean there's no guarantees in life. We like to operate as if there are. There's no guarantee any of us wake up tomorrow. It just, there's no guarantee. So could everything come crashing down? Sure. Uh, Is it always good to have a plan B? I believe in a plan B and a plan C and a plan D, just in case. But is it something to worry about? I wouldn't say worry, no. I think the bottom line is, um, stuff comes out of space all the time. Space junk, meteors, you name it. How many of us sit around worrying about it? None. None. We know it can happen. doesn't mean it's going to happen to us. And the same would be said for uh, for layoffs or, or budget cuts or any of those things. I will say this. I know of several situations where people have, have gotten a little too high on themselves or on their department. They believe, oh, man, that's it. Sky's the limit. It's never going to stop. They're in for a hard time, I think. They don't know it. That's fine. But they are. Bottom line is... No matter how well you're doing at this particular moment, don't get too cocky about it. Things are around the corner. Of course, people don't like hearing that. They'll think you're negative. You know, they'll say, oh, well, we can't have that kind of negativity. Welcome to life. That's life. Good things happen. Bad things happen. If you're truthful with it and say, you know what? Bad things can happen, but there's a lot of good things going on. You breeze right through. That's not negativity, my friends. Um, that is just being realistic. All of us face it, every one of us. Now, what's negativity? Negativity is constantly and consistently knocking down everything that happens. You know, some people don't ever want to talk about the good without talking about the negative, uh, you know, four to one. Well, if something positive's happened, I'm going to come up with four negative things. That's not fair. When good things are going on, point them out. You know, not everything is a bad decision. There are a lot of good decisions. In fact, most decisions are good decisions, which is a blessing in and of itself. It is. And uh, it's a very positive thing. But at the same time, we don't look at things that are going on that are negative and say, gosh, let's just spray paint this and make it look good. Really, that's poor leadership. It is. And it reveals itself. And smart people know it. They do. They look at it and go, nah, it's not working. So, yeah, uh, next question, do you know of any areas or or I guess it says cities? Uh, do you know of any areas or cities that are hiring firefighters, and if so, do you know their qualifications? I, I mean, there's a lot of hiring going on you know it depends on what part of the country you want to go to it depends on on what your background is, you know, or, or do you have, uh, some sort of certifications? Do you have fire one, two, whatever? I mean, I'm sure you probably have fire officer 45 and all that too. Like all the other, anyway, you probably have all that. If you do, there's tons of places, you know, Texas is a hotbed right now. Go to Texas. They're looking for firefighters. Um, I mean, Tennessee, uh, I've talked about that in the past, Tennessee, there are fire departments that are hiring, um, You just have to, you know, I don't want to get in the habit of of showcasing a a ton of things because you can just look this up online. You can. You can look it up, put in people who are hiring and and go there. Also, uh, a lot of firefighters uh, on social media, they'll post when their departments or other departments are hiring. I urge you to look into that. And with respect to qualifications, you know, you're just going to have to get your basic stuff out of the way. It might cost you money to do it. Um, and if you want the job, that's what you're going to have to do. Unless you join a department that sends you through everything, I always recommend that. that have their own fire academy that teaches you the things you really need to know, as opposed to uh, an academy that appeals to the lowest common denominator and teaches you material that is irrelevant to your function as a day-to-day firefighter. But again, do what you got to do. Depends on where you're at uh another question maydays i'm curious about maydays and why we still do lunar when there are places that are teaching uh the basic who what where yeah okay that's a good question well let me see is there anything else uh, what do you think yeah i think it's great who what where uh lunar was always a bad idea it was a terrible idea it still is um the bottom line is you're taking a firefighter when they're at the most stressed and you're asking them to go through a mnemonic Um, and and talk it, and have the frustration of having to repeat a lunar, and being terrified to be out of order, who, what, where, it works, again, I'll go back to this, and there are some places, some states, some cities, some counties, where they sit around trying to come up with helpful ideas, Um, you know, Let's make this 42-letter mnemonic. This is going to work great. Help, I'm caught, HIC. I mean, it's, it's just nuts. It is. Firefighters operate best when they operate from the mode of, you know what? This is what's happening. I need to correct it. The more you add on to a company officer, to a battalion chief, to an engineer, to a firefighter, whatever it is, the more you, frankly, the more you're going to confuse them. And when you're under, imagine this, just imagine. You're in a firefight in some foreign country, and you're pinned down. Now, you have to execute a uh, 32-word mnemonic. What are you going to do? Hey, we're here, give the location, what's going on, send help. Why do we do opposite in the fire service? Why do we always have to create? It's V-E-S. You know, it's like, wow, you got to add the I in there. Really? What's going to come after that? You know, arrive. We're going to do AVI. Arrive, vent, enter, isolate. Come on, people. They're, t- they're supposed to be helpful things to remember. You keep adding stuff to it. What happens? It gets more complex. And I get it. Some people never get calls. They get maybe 10 fires a year. They got to have something to do. So they sit around coming up with all these different different little helpful tools that helps no one who has to actually go to fires. Keep it simple. That's what people need when they're in duress. It is. Keep it simple. Now, you have to be complex on some things. I get it. That's not a problem. But in those high tension moments, let's just find out who's in trouble, where they're at, and then let's go get them. You know, you don't need four computers out there trying to track everybody. It's not going to work. It simply isn't. Keep it simple. Keep focused. Get them out. Most important thing. Next question. Uh, I have a company officer who treats everybody like crap. He believes that he's part of the crew and the guys love him while we hate him uh, yada, 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 uh, how would you approach it, um, uh, pretty straightforward, I'd go to him, pull him aside, and say, this is how I feel, you know, if he gets upset, then I know who I'm dealing with, and, and I'm telling you, a crew can take care of it, No, don't really need to escalate it if you don't want to, the crew makes the officer look good or bad, you get two, three crewmen, who realize their officers crap you can make him look bad now officially go up the chain and if everybody's together it's very difficult although there are bad leaders out there who don't believe anything of their pet projects um, there are chiefs out there and command staff members who think "Well, so and so's not a bad guy I mean he always treats me good who cares If somebody, if people keep coming to you and tell you somebody's crap at their job, you know what? They're crap at their job no matter how you feel. And hopefully those people have written down, went to see the chief or whatever, district chief, whatever. Talked about so-and-so being unfit for being a firefighter or a company officer. Then when that person hurts somebody, now they've got written proof. A lot of people do it. It's a good idea. But anyway... Unless, if it's personality, suck it up, move on. Because everybody's got a personality. Um, Not everybody's going to get along. But, if it's an operational issue or it gets to the point where it's harassment, sure, push it. Push it up the line. And then if you don't get any, you know, if you don't get any, uh, if you don't get a resolution to it, push it out of the fire department and into the upper realms of your city government, whatever your policies and procedures say, or go to an attorney. Not big on going to attorneys. Everybody says they're going to, but very few people actually do. Uh, but when it comes to those types of things, you're in an environment now where you're more than likely gonna win. Keep that in mind. Uh, let's see. <clears throat> not that one. Not that one. Some some questions I I can't answer. Um, you know simply there's no rhyme nor reason to them. Uh, let's see... Uh, what do you think the most important thing for a first-year firefighter going to the second year? Well, I think your first-year firefighter, by the end of your first year, you know where everything is on the rig. You know, where, you know every tool. Um, you're able to explain what you can do. Multiple uses for tools. By the second year, um, you should be uh, absolutely focusing on awareness. Uh, As a first-year firefighter, most times as a probie, you're going where you're pointed. And hopefully you have that awareness outside of what you're focused on in that intense moment. But if you're not, you need to start developing that starting into your second year. The, the last thing you want to do in your second year is to be still focused on first-year things. Those should be out of the way. They should be. Um, depending upon how much training your company officer or your department does, you may or may not. But frankly, it's on you. I always believe that. Nothing stops a person. And, and this is a telltale of a pro, probationary firefighter. Nothing stops a person from going out and looking at equipment on the truck you'd be surprised by how many don't it's very disappointing it's extremely disappointing so those are the types of things you have to focus on second year you should be working on your awareness you know okay we're going to this call uh, I'm gonna bring this this and this you get off the truck you're like oh maybe I don't need this based on what you're seeing I need to grab this or or whatever not you know you shouldn't have to be told to do everything in your second year Your first year, yeah, that's the way that goes. But lots of people want to be a veteran, and they still don't do veteran things. They're still doing proby things. And that's their fault in many ways. Because nothing prevents someone from from studying on their own. But typically, in my experience, a lot of them don't. And it's easy to spot. It really is. So yeah, second year awareness, being able to... uh, to to rectify situations on your own, being that trusted veteran. And a lot of company officers don't trust someone who they know was not the type of probie they wanted. They won't ever trust them. That's the way that goes. You develop your own reputation on scene and within a company. And fairly or not, that's how you're seen for a very long time unless you just set the moon on fire. Let's see. Finally today, well, what's the last one? Uh, no. Nah. Um, you know what? Yeah, those last three, actually, they suck. I'm not going to answer them. Um, we will be back tomorrow. I am running way behind on a lot of stuff. I wanted to have a... Uh, I've invited several guests on. And I have to push that back due to some personal medical things that have happened. And so that's going to be pushed back for a little bit. Um, I'm still going to do it, but it'll probably be end of May before that starts happening, as opposed to end of April, first week in May. So did want to let everybody know that. Um, We'll be back with another edition. Until then, stay safe.